Welcome back to the Inn at the End. You're here to listen to that old tale spinner get started on wealth beyond measure, aren't you? Why don't you find a seat and I'll bring you a drink. Music's just about to start. story of lost treasure, lost time, and lost souls. Fix your eye upon a small, inconspicuous world where magic runs wild and the sun never sets. In the Salishtar expanse, Emir Bayezid Khan has lost his most precious treasures. Wealth beyond measure he offers to any who can restore what is rightfully his. Thus enters our intrepid adventuring party. Close your eyes and see them in your mind. Four wandering heroes under an unmoving sun. Let's take a closer look, shall we? Let the adventure begin. You all gathered together, met together, and realized that it was in your best interests in one way or the other to band together and brave the Expanse as a party. Because as you all know, the Expanse itself, the desert, is dangerous and it's filled with people and things which you can't always predict. Um, Zashir, of course, might be the most familiar with the expanse in the rest of you. Docs, I'm going to go ahead and say probably the least familiar, but I think between all of you, you have no trouble traveling for a few days. Um, you know, for what what a worthless word days is without, you know, sunset or sunrise, but I'm going to call them days. But like I said earlier, the treasure seeking has been going on for some time. And though it's cooled off, there are those who have had their land, their domains trampled on, their homes, you know, pillaged. Um their means of livelihood raised and destroyed by, you know, bands of traveling brigands. Because the prince, the emir, he's not regulating this sort of gold rush that happened. He wants his things back by any means necessary. And if that means turning loose, just, you know, throngs of adventurers then that's what he's going to do and so you all have found yourselves crossing the land of Gideon the Grey and it was an easy mistake to make because it all looks the same out here but to him he's had it he's up to his last straw here and if you imagine Gideon being something of like a job of the hut figure right he lives out here in the desert he is by no means a law-abiding citizen. He would, he would not be a law-abiding citizen in, in the Twilight docks. But out here, he is kind of a law unto himself. And he has men that follow his lead, men of violence who carry swords and uh, accost travelers on the road and haggle for um, fines and fees and tolls. Um, 
and men who protect him from other people who are like Gideon the Grey or from, you know, monsters or whatever have you that might be out here in the expanse. However, it might have happened. You all, you know, maybe traveling through a tight canyon or something and enjoying the shade, knocked unconscious and dragged before Gideon. You all sort of wake up in what almost feels like Gideon's court. On all sides, you're surrounded by unfamiliar faces of men who are, uh, and women, men and women, all, um, who are shielding their heads from the sun with loose clothing or who might just be acclimated to the heat. You know, for every person that's out here sweating, you also see people who are, seem to be magically cool. No sweat pouring off their faces, anything like that. But you, either way, you have people sort of on both sides. And this this platform is sort of artificially flattened and, and hand-hewn out of the stone. And before you is something of like a stone um, throne. But it's not. It's just a bench. And there stands Gideon the Grey. And next to him, his second-in-command, who some of you might have heard stories of, Zashir, you especially. He only is known by his name, Red. And ironically enough, he's a red dragonborn, but he's hulking. And he's a powerful figure. And he wears across his his chest just like a bandolier of different sharp objects. And his, his scales are sort of gleaming through this like tattered sort of leather harness type thing that he has on him and you can see that he is no stranger to battle his scales have claw marks and bite marks and and almost like what looks like powder blasts on his scales and from his face you know some of his his fangs actually kind of protrude slightly and you can see one is is chipped right in half one of his like canine fangs almost with you are a handful of other people who have been caught, and today is their day to stand a sort of trial. And one by one, you know, a man comes over and yanks these hoods off your face, essentially, and you see the scene that I'm describing. And one man next to you, he's like, oh, great. Glad to see where I'm going. For a minute, I thought that I was let go from this life. And, you know, he's kind of standing next to you guys as your hood pulls off, and, and you can see this figure, just the human man, nondescript clothing uh, along with a handful of others, but he's pretty mouthy and he stands out to you all. And Red walks right up to him and backhands him across the face. And he says, you will only speak when Gideon asks you to speak. And I swear, he sees like Franco wants to say something. He steps right up to your face and he just looks at you, like inviting a challenge for you to maybe say something. Does that go for me too? <laughs> and he just smacks you across the face. Ah, okay, he does. I see. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. Gideon, if we could talk soon, I don't want to be hit. And Red marches back up kind of across this, this uh, you know, this courtroom, I guess, out in the open here, sun shining down. And he stands at, he, mar- he walks back over to Gideon. And he turns to face you all, and Gideon says, You all have trespassed on our land for the last time, but we are not uncivilized out here. No, far from it. We know a sense of justice that no one in Twilight would ever understand. You all will say your piece. And if it pleases Gideon, then you shall go. And if not, then you face the pit. And he motions to the first person. The first person's like, well, well, look, like I'm actually like not an adventurer. I know it seems like I'm an adventurer, but like for real, I was just trying to get back across uh, to the village over there. And, uh, you know, I was trying to head noonward and... I, I, I missed one of the moisture stations and it's just, uh, I got lost and I'm sorry. And it won't happen again. And Gideon nods and a woman standing on the other side walks over and walks up to this person. 
and she grabs him by the bindings, his arms bound behind his back, and marches him behind you all. And if you turn to look, mm-hmm. you can see, for lack of a better word, it's a fucking pit, right? And it might be a little bit more intricately laid out than that and all this sorts of stuff, but you can hey guys, definitely I think that's see, a pit. You can definitely see a big gaping hole in the ground, and it's sort of built up around. And essentially, this woman walks this person on a plank, for lack of a better word, right? She's walking the plank, and she pushes him out. And he's like, please, no, I said I would never do it again. And when he doesn't move, she kicks him right in the back and down to the pit. And the scream is a little short. And he's like, come on. He's like shouting. You all hear his voice echoing up. And then you hear a horrible screeching sound. And you hear him screaming for his life before it's cut short. And Red looks to the next person in line. And it's, it's Connie. State your peace. Uh, 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 uh. Connie takes a couple steps forward and curtsies, really deep curtsy, and says, uh, Gideon, actually, I'm here to, actually, you saved me some time. I, I was looking for you. Uh, I've heard great things about you. And I wish to write a song about you and your riches. And I, I look and each one of these people in your court uh, uh, is is a story to tell. And I, I, I'm here to tell that story. And I, I, I know I'm slow of speech, but when I sing and when I play my chanter, all of that goes away. And I can impress thousands of people for you. I, I, I've heard that you are very gracious and kind and noble and I want to let the world know. And Connie bows and curtsies again. And you see Gideon, he whispers something to Red, and Red says, you have a chanter with you now. Indeed, I do. And he nods to the woman. And the woman walks up, and she kind of pulls you aside from the group. And she cuts the bindings on your hands, and he says, entertain Lord Gideon while we finish our business and you, you you're kind of standing if you imagine a line the, re- uh, the rest of the party you're probably standing like 20 feet away sort of near the audience mm-hmm. do you play or do you yes yes absolutely this is um, a song of a lifetime and well Connie is mostly saying this to get out of a scary situation Connie does see this as a, another song in the repertoire that that he plans to tell absolutely and he motions to the next person and the next person is like i'll not be admitting to shit lord gideon can piss on himself for all i care i'll fucking take my chances in the pit before i say anything that i bite my tongue off and red just nods the woman grabs him marches him over to the plank and doesn't even offer him a chance to walk out. It just hurls him in. And the same story. He puts up a little bit more of a fight. You hear him yelling and hollering some curses down there before a horrifying roar from some alien monstrous animal and his screams are cut short. He nods to Franco, next in line. Make your peace. Hello, my friend, uh... Gideon, I am traveling here. I don't know how we ended up in your territory. It's a hard to track where we're going. I, I tried to hire some very good uh, scouts and uh, trackers, and boy, none of them panned out. Perhaps you have some. I have some coin to spend on some good trackers or scouts to get me out of here, get back to the twilight. And you thought, know, that's why I'm here. I'm just gathering goods, not from your place, of course, uh, and trading them from place to place. Are you perhaps... Uh, interested in uh, anything in particular. And you see Gideon lean into Red. And Red says, you carry your wares now. Always and forever. Everything I have on me is what I own. And he nods to the woman. And she pulls you aside to go stand by Connie. 
Right now, I need everybody to roll a perception check for me. Our first dice roll of the game, naturally, it's got to be a perception. Naturally. Uh, I got an 18. Uh, 13. 17. 9. Connie and Zashir. And maybe just because Franco is walking with his back turned, but you both see, you know, one of the guards people who is sort of pacing behind you all. You see he has a bracelet on his hands. Um, And it almost looks like he has like prayer beads or something on this bracelet. And as he walks past his wisecracking figure, you see that bracelet's gone. And a slow smile creeps across this man's face. And Red nods to him. And he says, make your peace. And he goes, "Ah, yes, (laughs) I am happy to make my peace with whatever power or gods that there might be out there and i thank you for your hospitality gideon gray it hasn't been the best i've experienced but had you the had you the perception of how just small your tiny pathetic world here was you might know that i was balin but alas, you don't get the luxury of knowing what you almost had before you. And you see him sort of pluck one of these little prayer beads from behind his hands. And he turns around and he hurls it into the middle of this sort of court here. And any of you who have magical experience, you might have recognized that this was a, this was a, a bracelet of, of fireballs. And he just oh. cast a fireball right out in the middle of this thing. And even though I butchered his intro speech horribly, Balin <laughs> has thrown a literal bomb into the middle of this thing. And it erupts and it sends shrapnel and fire and ash exploding outwards. And with his hands tied behind his back, he couldn't throw it that far. And so those of you that are still in line, Docs and Zashir, I need you guys to make a dexterity save. The the music that Connie is playing on the chanter matches the intensity of the situation and gets more dramatic. <laughs> oh yeah. Kind of scoring scoring the uh the life. Uh, I got a 9. Docs. <laughs> well, it didn't help that your guys' hands were tied behind your back, but you all, you are knocked backwards down onto your back. Everybody in line is, except for Franco and Connie, whose hands had just been unbound. Uh, what are our hands bound with? Like a leather cord. Like nothing uh, crazy. Can I cut it with my talons? Because I'm a lion. Hmm. Yeah. Go ahead and roll me a... Oh, that feels kind of like a sleight of hand. Ah, four. <laughs> now, with this explosion happening, and, you know, Connie and Franco, you definitely felt it. But what are you guys doing in the chaos? Because Gideon ducked in cover behind his, his stone bench. Some of his men are closing ranks around him. And the rest of the people who are sort of watching... If they didn't fall to the ground, they're fleeing, they're screaming. It's pure chaos around you. This might be your moment to make a heroic attempt to flee for your life. I think... Uh, Go ahead, Franco. Oh, uh, Frank. Franco's just ducking behind some sort of pillar or, uh, you know, just something uh, to get some cover from the fireball and is going to stay there and just kind of take a look. Mm-hmm. Just watch, because, you know, <laughs> if this place is going down, then it's a place to loot at the end of it. Yeah. And and we were with Docs and, uh, is it Zashir? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys were partied up when you were Okay. Caught. Yeah. So I'm going to maintain the chant, but I'm going to mm-hmm. try to go to whoever's closest out of Docs and Zashir and see if I can help them escape their, their bond. Yeah. Docs is closest to you, followed by Zashir. What's more is in the chaos, you might have lost track of this guy who said his name was Balin. Oh, yeah. Except when next you see him, his hands are free. And he's taken another bead off the bracelet, and he's hurled it as hard and as far as he can towards Gideon Gray. And another fireball erupts. This time, it scorches red. He hits the ground. Some of his men fall like bowling pins. Now, Connie... 
you got to Doc's. You can easily untie his hands. Docs, you're free. You can get up off the ground. Uh, yeah, I'd just bolt for the nearest uh, thing I can hide behind. Absolutely. Yeah, not very hard. Although if you imagine this sort of like a raised, like imagine this stage, like a big sort of like wrestling ring almost. There's no, there's no ropes, but it's sort of elevated in that way. It's made of stone. So you can sort of like maybe just sweep right off the edge and sort of hunker down with this ledge of stone kind of looking at everybody's feet there i'm gonna go ahead and assume that connie since you helped docs you're right there you probably helped this year yeah absolutely that would be next on my list oh, i'm just going you. down the i'm just going down the line <laughs> there was a pause where i was like yeah. come on well. man right off the bat this <laughs> year you are free and in fact Connie did uh, unbind everybody's hands but you do see one poor fellow his face is just blackened it's pocked with like hot rocks that it erupted off the ground and and he lays dead in the ground um but the rest of you are free and balen is just laughing like a maniac somebody shouts oh no the surge and kind of like a dust storm rather this one sort of takes almost the effect of a dust storm in a way they're all different but this one sort of rolls in with this sweeping and intense wind and there is electricity on the air. And suddenly you guys start feeling this tingling, this shocking sensation, and you begin to be zapped. Uh, I'm going to try and run for cover and motion to the uh, rest of the crew to follow me. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll follow that direction. And you see, as you guys start bolting the opposite direction of Gideon Gray, you see Balin, and he's running right up to the ledge of the pit. And he looks back at you all, and he just says, fighters? Hey. And he goes... Wave my hand back and forth. And he's like, no way we're surviving this surge unless we go underground. And he jumps into the pit. Yeah, yeah I immediately am. follow. <laughs> uh, uh, I, 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 I'm more of an artist. It appears this fellow knows more than we do. I say into the pit and I, uh, I, I run and I leap in. Oh, uh, do I have my gear on me first? Yes. You guys okay. weren't stripped of anything. Oh. Okay. I leap in with my, all my stuff. I look, I look down at Connie. I'm like, Connie, come on. Uh, this place is uh, no good for us. What's down there. We don't know anything about it. So it's probably better. <laughs> It's an adventure. That's right. That's why you're here. Let's go. <laughs> Jump down. <laughs> Hold hands. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you guys uh, get down there. No problem. Because the pit, while it was pretty long down, it was enchanted to make sure that it survived, uh, that the uh, victims survived the fall. Uh-oh. And as you guys fall down into the pit, you realize that this is actually a pretty elaborate complex. You fall maybe 100 feet. And it's like a cylindrical uh, pathway, straight up sheer cliff walls. And at the bottom, you see it opens up. And this is almost like an underground structure that they had like dug down into magically. And as you guys fall and, and land safely on the ground below, you realize that, yeah, it kind of looks like a sand fighting pit. And there's the two dead guys that are ripped in half, shredded. What happened to them? You can roll me. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm I'm asking. I'm not looking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their bones are snapped in half. Their skin shredded like paper. Ay. Are there any tracks in the sand? Oh, that all show, over the place. Yeah, show I mean, what kind of beast this was. I mean, it almost looks like you know if you ever been to the 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 Bedouin horse shows out in the desert. I mean, it looks like the sand is just kicked up by some beast over the course of you know weeks and weeks whether or not it's you, there's no trail for you to follow and i'll just kind of look around the the walls and stuff and see if there's any alcoves or anything that anything could hide in yeah well absolutely and in fact like i said before you can see that it opened up into a big structure and so while this kind of has the feel of a fighting pit it opens up and there are um hallways like ornate structured hallways that sort of honeycomb into this you know this this big pit in lots of different spots where where is Balin going 
Right. So Balin says, <laughs> he just looks at the guy and he goes, Ugh, that doesn't look like a pleasant fate. Now, does it? This guy. <laughs> I must say you are quite a crazy man, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I'm going to pull said, my katana out and yeah. uh, just keep my eyes open. Absolutely. I think I would probably also put my chanter away right about now and, <laughs> yeah. and pull out my rapier. And Balin says, yes, yes. Good idea, Leonin. Um, weapons at the ready, mates, he says awkwardly. <laughs> you call me by guy? my race. That is, that is odd. He's uh, disrespectful. A little bit. Little, little bit <laughs> a little bit. And it's, I... going, it's going in the song, so everyone's going to know you're a racist. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough. I was wrong, but it looks like we could use these tunnels here uh, to escape. And I love to live. Um, never <laughs> died before. Plan on keeping that way. So which way before this comes back for Just us? Start barreling forward, whichever direction I'm facing. Excellent. How, how many corridors are there? Is it? Is, are there six? <laughs> could you tell that was a D6? <laughs> <laughs> by the sound only <laughs> could you see that that was impressive <laughs> um yeah there are six hallways out and if you imagine them arranged in like a hexagonal um a assortment there is one in every direction do do we see any sort of decoration or or markings uh, none whatsoever okay then if Docs is running, I look to Zashir and Franco and say, we going that way? It looks like a good way to go. Then, the, the, then let's go. Okay. So, yeah, you guys just pick one and you run into it at random. And there doesn't seem to be uh, any issues at the moment. Balin's pleased. But down here, uh, the light it does not reach very well once you start entering into the hallways. Um, and the sandy sort of pit makes way to a more finished flooring. And in fact, it's, you can tell under your shoes, it's a tile, it's handmade, it's hand laid. You've entered into a structure now. Um, and as you get more than like a hundred feet down this tunnel, it gets really dark and you almost can't see anything. You won't got any light. I'll, I'll um, whip out a torch and, and I press mean, digitation it on. I, I, I am a Leon and they have dark vision. Now, Dash missed the note. There is no dark vision in the expanse. <laughs> oh, okay. <It> <laughs> All right. Well, I can see anyways. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you look at your mini map and figure out where you're going without having to look at the screen. But it's well, no problem because I... you should have some torches on you. Yeah, um, no, I, I whip out a torch. And, and... and in fact, you see Balin. Balin pulls um, something out of his pocket and it's interestingly enough, kind of resembles a flashlight to your eyes. And um, it's sort of a, a, a handle sort of lashed to this stone that emits a bright light, but it sort of focuses it and points it rather than illuminating everything around them. And he says, all right, uh, best to be on guard now. Um, never know what's down here. wonder what this structure is. And he kind of keeps going. And as you guys continue onward, you realize that this structure, which is, like I said, hand built and all this sort of stuff, it actually sometimes begins to see like, oh, here's a cave in and maybe another part of the structure sort of overlays with it. And you look over here, like on your left, it's a big hole in the wall and it opens up into a great hall. Uh, not a hallway, but like a big hall. Would you guys like to go in there or continue down the hallway? I'd say if it opens up, I don't want to check that out. Yeah, it looks as though the wall was caved in, like the bricks have fallen down. And here's this room. This isn't like a door or anything like that, um, but it is a way in if you'd like. So if Docs is sort of leading the way, he kind of steps over the rubble, being careful not to twist his ankle. You guys follow him? Yeah. Yeah, this yes. may be a good place to uh, rest and or not rest, but uh, weather this surge. Yeah, oh. that's uh, a good idea. Uh, and Balin sort of sits down and he looks a little sad because he really doesn't have 
his equipment like you guys have. Um, he has this light. He seems to have a knife on his hip. And other than that, it's the clothes and the jewelry that he's wearing. Balin, how did you find yourself here? You guys were there. You remember that, right? A lot was happening. It seems you wanted to be here. Yeah, and you're you, you seem almost too comfortable jumping into pits. I didn't get your name. Tempted to say halfling, but I've heard that's bad. <laughs> that's going in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I greet you. My name is Conrad Amberseeker, and Connie takes a, a curtsy. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's Docs Conrad. over here. Docs. Okay, I like that. What about you, uh, Mister with all the wares? Oh, I'm sure you've heard of me. I am Franco the Wielder. I've heard loads. I've heard loads. That's what I thought. You're famous all across the expanse. It's impressive how little there is left to learn about you, actually. And uh, Cat Guy. Ah, yes. Greetings to you. I am Zashir the Nomad. (laughs) Perhaps you've heard of me and my skills as a bodyguard and travel guide for adventurers seeking golden fortune. (laughs) Yes, no, 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 I I know you have. It's it's quite all right. (laughs) Yes, I have. And it is all right. Um, And so are you. And once again, my name's Balin. Add whatever cool epitaph after that you want, you know? Balin the bold, Balin the brave, Balin the best. Are you human? Yes, I am. Okay. Nice to meet you, <laughs> human. <laughs> you see what I did there? I, I, I called. Yes. Okay. A I little walked, friendly tete-a-tete. <laughs> I walked yes. right into that. Hey, now this is kind of cool, right? Um, there was a monster in here that was killing those people, but like, you haven't seen it yet, have you? We're doing pretty good. I, on monsters, no, uh, we have magic not. scared it off. I, I don't know. I take out uh, Connie, my three torches and I light them on yeah, Franco's, and I throw them into the uh, big hall. Excellent, yeah. And as the light sort of radiates off these, you I imagine you throwing them sort of in different directions a little bit, just to sort of illuminate this. And you see that the tile work is is just as intricate as it was in the hallway. And this is almost this has the appearance and the feeling of of like a church of like a temple and this is like the you know the place where it happens in the church <laughs> you know oh where well, the sexy stuff goes down <laughs> where ceremonies are held i know yeah. what you're talking about the hell is that damn word sanctuary uh, thank you caleb the sanctuary <laughs> god <laughs> I was just like, anyway, this has the distinct feeling, the distinct vibe of a sanctuary. And um, you can almost tell, like, maybe there were wooden pews in here once upon a time, but now they've evaporated to, to, hey, I get it. <laughs> anyway, but they've evaporated sort of to the sands of time. And, and now this place is just riddled with a thick layer of dust and fallen bricks. And you can see sort of stained glass dust has been sort of ground into oblivion under the feet of a thousand years and here you stand in this room and it's bigger than the torches can see but you feel a a little bit of a sense of safety in here Um, i feel like people would seek enlightenment here hmm. yeah you they probably would does anybody find it curious that there are stained glass windows below ground perhaps it was buried over time by the sands the sand can be Quite tricky. I don't know if you spend a lot of time out there in sand, but sand is, it does its own thing. Sandy. (laughs) It's probably safer having them down here than up there. That's why they're not all broken. Well, that one is. And that one. (laughs) And Balin's like, well, you know how it is in your world. It's um, easy come, easy go. Magic sort of everywhere. It's kind of irritating, kind of fun sometimes. Who knows? But I'm sure there's a perfectly plausible magical explanation for it. So, so our world is pretty weird. <laughs> it's uh, it is strange, um, Mister Balin. I I do have to ask the question. Um, why did you blow up our uh, good Mister Gray? 
Oh yeah, he was gonna throw me into the pit for sure. Um, and you are in the pit now, and so I'm curious why oh, you yeah. made someone angry for sending you in a pit, and then you went in that pit. Okay. Well, now we're down here too, so he's got like four extra people that could see, you know, be eaten by the monster first. Um, and I want to cast kind of flip, flipping a, a, a copper coin. I want to cast detect thoughts just nonchalantly. Sure. And then I want to ask him, as I like pro- probe deeper in, what was your plan with all of this, Mr. Bailey? Uh, he rolled a six. Uh, okay, so I gain insight into reasoning, if any, emotional state, something that looms large in their mind. And it says questions verb- verbally directed at the target uh, naturally shape the course of their thoughts. Got you. And you were asking what again? What was your plan with all of these? Oh, yeah. Well, you get the sense that, like, first of all, he did not expect to be captured. That was like, you know, hitch numero uno in his grand plan. Hitch numero dos was getting fed to a monster uh, down below. And so you get the sense that this man is a survivor. He survives by the skin of his teeth and taking bold, decisive, and dangerous action. And he's got a lot on the line. And you get the sense that the that one of the things that uh, looming largest on his mind, going home. Okay, okay. Just checking to see if he knows if he fails. I don't think so. Yeah, if it fails, either way, the target knows that you are probing its mind. Oh, there we go. So he knows. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I turn to the rest of the group and says, okay, so this Balin fellow is <laughs> just caught up in the wrong place, wrong time, it seems. What are we going to do? Because I don't trust him. Yeah, he seems a little too agreeable for my my taste. I'm the most right. agreeable. How agreeable I do think you he's guys going to, to be? <laughs> uh, too, too agreeable. N- he's too agreeable now. He, we need him to be less agreeable. Well, uh, that's more of an aside. Really. I mean, agreeable exactly. works really well. I mean, have you <laughs> yes. ever tried to just agree with stuff and just go with the flow? See, it's really I agree with nice. that. I agree with that. It's it's <laughs> I it I it it rubs me like sand the wrong way. You know, I okay. can't do it. Same, same. All right. Yeah. Well, like do you there's, guys wanna... there's something there. But to, to be it. fair, sometimes I rub my body in sand and it feels good and scratches the places that a lover can't quite get. See, I had a cat once that did the same thing. I am not like a house cat. A cat. Don't you say that out there. In the song, you. look no, 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 how tall no, no. he is. He's massive. He's not great. a house cat. Balin, I, I, I got to tell you, so far, your song's not looking good, man. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Let me write my own verse for a moment. Well, huh? huh? I think this? we have other things to worry about right now, though. Why don't you just act better? Okay, that's out of the question. Like less racist, you know? I'm not. Okay, all right. I hear you calling me in. I hear you calling me in. All right, okay. I understand. I have been neglectful to the man over there. <laughs> you year. almost oh, said my, cat. You I saw so you forming the it. word. I swear, you son of a bitch. I said person Zashir. All right, good. I'm learning. We're all learning together. We're in this place and we can get out together. I go ahead and walk up to him and I pat him on the back. I'm like, yeah, we'll just, you know, keep going in circles in this cave and eventually we'll find our way out. Do you have a drink by any chance? I could really use one. Oh, yeah, I have nothing. Yeah, I'm can I do yeah, an insight check on him? Yeah, I pull out my alchemy jug and I take a swig and I put it to his lips. Yeah, he takes a swig. Does it smell bad? What's it smell like? Oh no, it's awful. It's <laughs> yeah, there. It there bad. might be a trace of some kind of alcohol in there, but <laughs> it's mostly just like plant matter and maybe oh. maybe some mercury in there. Swamp it's, water. It's not <laughs> pleasant. Uh, I got a thirteen on the. Uh, yeah. Insight. And what are you inciting exactly? Like his, uh, you want to know if he's, he's lying? If he's yeah, yeah, he seems too agreeable, like to the point where I I trust him far less, and and so yeah. I'm thinking that there's some sort of ulterior motive, like uh, 
like he's been here before or like he mm. like he intends to ditch us as soon as he possibly can your insight check finds a basically a caged animal whose only weapons are not fangs or teeth but rather his tongue oh i'm i'm familiar with that practice okay okay <laughs> so uh, i'll just so go ahead and... i don't i was just gonna say well i don't enjoy his his tactics i understand them a little bit better now now everybody i'd like to survive but first i think that's going to be a problem and he points over kind of into the shadows in the sort of the edge of the darkness you see these two sort of looming orbs catching the firelight and you hear the soft padding of these large paws on the tile and as it steps into the light is this monstrous human looking face with these fangs jutting out of its mouth and suddenly the firelight reveals a gorgeous huge lion's mane around this creature's neck and it steps in and you see that it almost has the legs of of some sort of cat-like animal and it has these spikes and these these spines jutting out of its neck and back and you see that it has now wings enormous wings that are unfurling but anybody who's familiar with this creature can tell that the wings are cut they're clipped they are useless this here is a clipped manticore can't fly but Let's roll for some initiatives. Oh, man. Unless you'd well, like to reason with the manticore, they can speak. So I got a natural one, but I'm a halfling. So I'm going to re-roll <laughs> that. Go ahead and shout them out at me indiscriminately. I'll collect them all. 23. 11. 10. Uh, 18. Before you is a clipped manticore. It cannot fly. But other than that, it is just as dangerous as any other manticore. It looks full grown. Balin shrieks. He says, uh... Somebody get that thing. And Conrad <laughs> steps up to the plate. And it's your turn first. Rapier in hand. Connie readies acid arrow uh, at second level. And I'm going to hold my action and kind of see how, how this plays out. Because I'm here to write stories. I'm not necessarily here to kill things and die. Yeah. But, but at the same time, if I need a help, I'm going to help. Okay. Is there something in particular you like you're waiting on or I want to see how uh Franco Franco and and um Zashir kind of okay. react to the situation cuz you're probably not going to get the chance to see because the manticore paws forward sees you reading in action and just lunges it leaps okay so I let directly it fly. at you 17 to hit that is a hit 44 4 d4 good one <laughs> uh for a total of 10 poison damage so it takes it's going to take 10 now and then at the end of its next turn which will be it does another shortly. 2d4 correct okay and i'm so, going to hold my position okay so acid splashes across its face. You can see it sizzling its skin and it howls. It screams its voice hauntingly human-like. And it's going to go ahead and try to bite you. Can I use cutting words? I don't know. Can you? Yes. Is that a reaction? Yes. I don't, can, can, I, can I call it after I find out if he hits or not? Or she? He hit. critically missed you. Okay, so I'm going to hold on to that. There you go. (laughs) So this this beast leaps at you. It's acid splashes across its face, gets into his eyes, and it goes to take a bite at it. You're you're looking right in its face. You can see its human-like eyes, its human-like mouth with these monstrous fangs in, and you step out of the way right as its jaws close. It couldn't see you quite right in uh, in the darkness, and it swings its tail wildly. It goes right over your halfling head, and it shoots spikes. Uh, directly at Zashir. Without a stutter, perfectly crystal clear, Connie says, shit. (laughs) 14 to hit. No. Spikes just whiz all around you. It's going to go ahead and try to shoot spikes at Balin. I rolled two ones. (laughs) Hell yes. <laughs> oh, come on, Manticore. Manticore sucks. 
And he looks at you and he says, you suck. Um, <laughs> Zashir. Well, now we is, have to kill him. <laughs> it's your turn, Zashir. All right. Yeah, I have my katana in my hands. I have it down here kind of on my side ready, and I'm going to uh, run forward, and I'm going to use my fighting spirit and give myself five hit points and advantage. Oh, wow. hell yeah. I'm excited to see what a samurai could do. I've always been afraid to play one. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, this is really the the biggest, the best one. The other one is more of a, a role play, gotcha. um, boon. But um, yeah, so mm-hmm. cool. So that's gonna be a um, oh yeah, twenty three. <laughs> that's a hit. Oh, did they take damage? The extra poison damage. When uh, did they nope. do that? You want to roll it right now? Yeah, it's I got a five, so a total of fifteen poison damage so far. So that's going to be a total of 12 damage. Copy that. And then I'm going to attack again. Okay. With advantage. Okay. And that's going to be a non-natural 20. That hits. And that's going to be 13 damage. Okay. Yeah, it looks like it really did not enjoy that. And your katana is putting deep wounds in this creature's muscles you it you know you can see kind of its its bloody scarred kind of stumps where its wings end and you just kind of hack under there in the fleshy bits you hack across its face its arms and you do some serious serious damage to it um we go now to docs yeah i'll run up to one of the sides of it and i'm gonna punch it three times use fury of blows do it uh, so that's going to be four, nine, and 22. 22 uh, hits. Uh, so that will be six damage, and it is magical. And we'll go ahead and try some stunning strike on it. Uh, it needs to make a constitution saving throw. This is bullshit. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> it is stunned. And then I get to use the disengage action for free and use whatever movement I have plus 10 move it back into the darkness excellent franco what are you going to do to this stunned manty i mean this is my fellows please dispatch this thing and i'm going to um just cast haste uh twin spelling it on docs and zashir and then i'm going to kind of elbow uh balen uh they say get in there we need to kill this thing it's stunned even and that's my turn okay I think I punched it right in the kidney, so it should be down for a little bit. I saw that. That was very good. It is now Balin's turn. And you see Balin, and at your direction, you know, you're like, what are you doing? Get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and he sees, like, moment of fear flashes across his eyes. And Franco, you see it very clear as day, but he steals himself very quickly. And he realizes that the manticore, it's a little dazed, it's a little stunned, and he runs up to it. And you see him hold up the rest of his bracelet and he shoves the whole thing, throwing it kind of as deep into its maw as possible. And he looks back and he goes, fire in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) And he leaps out of the way while three fireballs simultaneously explode from inside this creature's mouth. Jeez. Um, (laughs) I would probably try to move away too because I think I'm right by it. Yeah, yeah, I die, I die for cover. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to look at Balin as I, as I try and run away and go, my God, Matt, and I <laughs> leap out of the way. <laughs> we hide it. That was pretty awesome. It's going to be, oh, he's got to make a deck save, but I don't know if that counts. He's going to make it with save that. <laughs> disadvantage. Do, yeah, it's hard to make a deck save when it's inside of you. <laughs> and he's stunned. I don't see this happening. So, <laughs> just yeah, I don't think they can automatically fails uh, strength and deck saving throws. Okay, so 85 damage. It's okay. And um, this thing, if you all seen the video of Oregon exploding the whale, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, this poor manticore, first its face just erupts in a slurry of bone and viscera and fire then it's like sort of neck explodes outwards and then almost immediately after its torso and all that's left behind is its hind quarters that just look like you know when elmer fudd or bugs bunny puts his finger up to elmer fudd's gun 
you know that's what's kind of like the lower half of the manticore looks like is the is elmer fudd's gun afterwards <laughs> and the fight's over and he goes look okay now i don't have any fireballs left exactly I- now there is no fireballs left we could have used that. It was stunned. We 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 had it right in the palm of our hands, and now we do not have the resources that you I this Balin fellow, I don't I don't is wearing thinner and thinner on me. Uh, also, Doc Zashir, remember in about a minute you're gonna feel like like shit for like a little tiny bit, so be careful. Oh, no, I just I'm, killed a I'm man. totally fine. And I like light a cigarette and I kind of start to lean over. I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, it appears nothing can sour the constitution of a warrior. So <laughs> I believe. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I just let I'm, it go. And I'm going to be fine. Like a true warrior, you, I, you, you uh, have the constitution of a. Uh, Person with great constitution. I, I <laughs> slip behind uh, uh, some rubble real quick <laughs> as I become very ill. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, I didn't see that happening. Um, I just thought you guys would trust me less if I could not blow you all up. Win win. I, I didn't get blown up. So yeah. seems totally fine to me. I, that was the uh, best part of it. I, I take out my alchemy jug and I go up to like the hind. Uh, end of the, the the manticore, and just like dip it in there and get some blood in into my uh, alchemy jug. Yes, <laughs> and Balin's just like <laughs> making a face at you. He's like, Oof. "Well, it's it's like magic. I mean, it's right these big magic things, and you drink it, and it's and it enlightens you. They are full of magic. You are correct. Keep pouring stuff into that jug. One of these days, I will take a sip." And I have one right now. Ah, well, not the day. I kind of hobble up to you <laughs> with, oh, the, with the jug out. Nice. Well, it's it's like magic. I mean, it's right. These big magic things and you drink it and, it's, and it enlightens you. They are full of magic. You are correct. Keep pouring stuff into that jug. One of these days I will take a sip. And I have one right now. Ah, well, not the day. I kind of hobble up to you <laughs> with, oh, the, with the jug out. Ace, are we doing okay today? I know it's been a rough day, but are we doing okay? He's, he's okay if you need the rest. <laughs> you know. I, I'm good. Okay. I am feeling at the top of my game. <laughs> oh, dear listener, I grow parched. My throat is dry, and I need to rest. I pray you come and join me next week to continue spinning the tale of wealth beyond measure. For now, if you'd be so kind as to subscribe to our podcast, leave a rating and a review if you're so inclined. I hope you do join me the continuation of Wealth Beyond Measure next week. Until then, listener, grab your sword and keep on adventuring.